Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fightful Podcast. I'm your host, Showdown Joe, joined, as always, by the man, Sean Rossop. Shan, Sean, Shan, Sean, what? what's up? <laughs> what's going on, brother? Happy New Year. You butchered my name, Joe. It's, it, it could be my inner MC Shan, you know, going old school with the hip-hop, so I apologize for that. What's going on, brother? Is that some sort of Japanese pronunciation of my name that I was unaware of prior? Did you pick something up? Sean-san. Apparently. How's that? Oh. Horrible, Joe. No worries. Horrible. I apologize. Did you get a chance to watch the Rising show? I did. Uh, Mirko Krokop. Wow. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Many of us, uh, not necessarily yours truly and yourself, but we didn't have that inclination that, you know, Krokop was done. After he left the UFC, it just seemed like he wasn't motivated. Uh, didn't want to fight anymore. Didn't want to compete. Just, I can tell you this, okay? When Heath Herring and I interviewed him during the, la- during the September show uh, for, the, for the Grand Prix as it all got kicked off, there was a different miracle Krokop. There was a motivated Krokop. He just, and, and he, you know, he said about his experience with the UFC, I, I will simply say um, it's just it, he wasn't happy. He simply wasn't happy competing under the UFC banner. Didn't like how they, they ran Renzo Fertitta, per se. Maybe had a bit of a problem with Dana White. Nothing that he, he expanded on and, and was insulting about, but he just didn't like how the UFC operated. He said there's nothing like pride. Pride was fantastic. You know, we just showed up, we fought, uh, we let our auras and our personalities carry everything. Didn't have to do so many interviews and, and stuff like that. And the next thing you know, he gets over to Ryzen and he just had this rejuvenation within himself. And he was a completely different guy in September. This time around, apparently, uh, while I was flying down there, while myself and Joe Warren were flying down there, Krokop didn't even show up to the interviews. Uh, and it was sort of the old Krokop that everyone sort of remembered. But he was super focused, as we now know, uh, on winning this Grand Prix. And, and a fantastic job by Mirko, you know, winning three fights in two days. Yeah, Mirko Krokop. And I'll be honest, I suspect he has a little help, Joe. <laughs> but here's, here's a little under-the-radar stat for people. Help or not? And I use that term help in quotations. Since leaving the UFC in 2011 after his run where he got beat by Mir, Shab, 
and Roy Nelson. In combat sports, the man is 15-2 and two since then, Joe. That's hard to do no matter who you are, what you're on, what you're doing, what promotion you're fighting in. That's tough. That's tough. I'm talking like King Mo, who people will say, well, he's a lightweight who could be a middleweight. Maybe. But he was also undefeated at heavyweight before this. Uh, Satoshi Ishii was something. was somebody that people thought was going to be something one day. Uh, he beat Gabriel Gonzaga, who was still motivated at least at that point. And he won all you know maybe it was questionable his world grand prix win but he still won it like the only two people to beat him are Alexei Olenek and Remy Bojanski that's going to happen joe i concur now to 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 talk about you know he may have had some help uh, the only thing that i can talk about regarding how Ryzen does the drug testing is, you know, they, they, I don't think they're in tune with, with, you know, voluntary, not voluntary testing, but surprise testing per se. Uh, they make it very clear. Uh, you're going to be tested the day of the fight and you're going to be tested after your fight. Um, so you need to provide a urine sample. Don't eat anything. Don't drink anything uh, until you provide a specific amount of, of milliliters of urine to the doctors uh, over there in Japan. Now, we all know when it comes to drug testing, if you tell fighters a specific date that they're going to be tested, it's going to make things a lot easier for them if they are doing something you know, illegal to get off, to cycle off. If you surprise them with tests, uh, which is what we're under the assumption, which is what USADA does, that's how you catch people. It's not to say that that you know Ryzen isn't doing drug testing. They are. Uh, what they're not doing is is the surprise testing. So I, I guess you know, doing that. You want to know also another interesting stat. For a little while, it seemed like Krokop had this perception that his fights weren't getting finished anymore, and and that didn't really happen very much. It didn't really happen very much one way or another. But he got kind of that reputation because of how bad the the Mir fight was. He's not had an MMA fight go to decision since September of 2007 against Czech Congo. That's unreal. Unreal. Um, What I wonder, Joe, he has fought four times since September. How do you think his 2017 forecasts? Interesting. I know he wants to continue competing. That's no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, and I don't know what uh, Ryzen has planned in terms of... Uh, I know they want to do another Grand Prix. Uh, and fans are really putting it on them. Uh, if you look at all the Ryzen social media accounts and any interaction that Ryzen has with the fans, they're putting... Um, they're making a lot of suggestions. Not pressure. They're not putting pressure on them, but they're making a lot of suggestions about pre-format, but using lower weight classes, specific weight classes. And that's absolutely fantastic, in my opinion, because the whole... I love tournaments. I've always loved tournaments. I remember when Bellator used to do them. My only issue with Bellator at the time was how they would portray or how they would showcase them on the broadcast. And the one thing I like about Ryzen when they do the graphics is you see that, you know, what maybe we can call it the NCAA brackets or brackets in general. You see the lines of where people are, where they came from, who they defeated. And I think that visually speaks volumes when viewers are tuning in. And that's what I've always wanted to see. Bellator did it for a bit, but just visually didn't. It wasn't something that I looked at and went, that's not helping the viewer, you know, because people, let's be honest, in, from a sports perspective, whether it's MMA, basketball, uh, the World Cup of Soccer, um, you know, right now in Canada, they've got the World Juniors. People love seeing the journey, the journey of where a team or a fighter started 
all the way until they get to the very end when somebody wins the whole thing. Uh, I mean, the, the March Madness brackets, Sean, we all know are huge. I, I would say, what, 90% of the people? I'm a Kentucky fan. They're the biggest thing in the world. Right? Like – 99 or not 90. I mean, there's got to be a very high percentage of people that participate in these brackets that could care less about NCAA college ball. But let me tell you, when March Madness comes around, everybody or the vast majority of people get their brackets going on. I got to ask you this, Joe, because you were there. When Krokop defeated Alec Bari, who also has had some help in his life, uh, but still doesn't take away from how fantastic of a wrestler he is. Mirko Krokop was coming off of a 49-second win. Meanwhile, Alakbari went to a split decision. How much do you think that played into how the final fight played out where Mirko Krokop defeated Alakbari in two minutes? I think it's absolutely huge. A massive, massive favor uh, for Krokop. I mean, if you, if, let, let, let's be honest. I mean, after a 48-second fight, or a 49 second fight versus an opponent who had to fight his butt off. Uh, you know, obviously the favor is going to swing over to Krokop. So, uh, and he knew that. And, and he was probably going to be patient heading in there. And uh, like Bari, no matter how much time he technically had to recuperate, it's never enough time when you fight uh, a, a boat like that. Uh, he had a war with Heath Herring as well. Despite dominating Heath, uh, it took a toll on his body. Uh, you know, I was talking to him before the, the the New Year's Eve event, and we were just kind of chit-chatting with his management staff. Oh, he's fine. Everything is great. That's what they're going to tell us. Okay, but, the, the you know, Alec Bari was basically walking around the hotel. He wasn't laboring per se, but he knew that, you know, come on, i got to recover. i got to recover. i got to recover. Uh, I'm going to be in for a long night uh, on December 31st. So he has that fight. Um what he had to do. Moldovsky thought he was supposed to go to a third round. You could have made the argument, but you know, Alec Bari did what he had to do to emerge victorious. And then a couple hours later, I mean, if you've done anything strenuous, even a workout, just a tough workout, uh, you know, if you've ever trained for fights, yeah, you're doing two a days, perhaps three a days, if you're crazy, in my opinion. But if you're doing two a days, you need time to recover, and there, and that time is usually four to six hours, not a couple hours world stage and to do it against a guy like Krokop, no easy task for Alec Bari. I'll have to ask you this too, and of course we're going to talk more about this show, which I'm really excited to talk about. We've seen Dream, we've seen these other promotions that have come and gone in in the wake of Pride FC, but what makes you think this one will stick around as opposed to like Dream? Well, the whole premise of Ryzen and they're making. If you heard Takata's speech, um, that I that I was, you know, the translation was coming in my ear. They have no goal competing with the UFC. They have no goal in in being one versus one A with the UFC. They don't want it. They don't see the UFC as competition. They firmly believe that their mixed martial arts product is something completely different than what the UFC brings to the table. And that goes for Bellator, and it goes for World Series of Fighting. It goes for Titan FC as well. Ryzen wishes to stand on their own as their own product it's a show it's entertainment parodies obviously is you know there's action inside of a cage with the ufc there's actions inside of a ring uh when it comes to ryzen there's mixed martial arts both mixed martial arts boats taking place uh inside of a combat area okay there's similarities there but 
overall, it's a show. So with Ryzen, they're looking at this long term. They're looking at you know five to six events, uh, maybe four to five events in 2017. The next one is going to be April, uh, which for most of us here is Easter weekend. Um, so they're looking at having a variety of events in 2017. They're looking more or less at every month or every weekend and saturating the public. They want to have special events every single time, something you could look forward to. And we see the pageantry when they kick off the shows, how incredible the opening of the shows are, how amazing those ring entrances are. And I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, Sean. I know there's people that hate it, that can't stand it, that don't like Lenny Hart's voice, uh, that don't like the way she speaks and the way she introduces the fighters and how all the fireworks and blah, blah, blah. They just want to see fights. That's cool. That's totally understandable. But, Ryzen is not going to change because that's how they do business in Japan. That's how they do, they do shows in Japan. And number one, they are catering. They will always cater to the local audience, to the Japanese, and the flair that the Japanese wrestling and mixed martial arts fans absolutely love. And if, if it so happens that they get a global market and a global scale and global love, bring it on. That's just an absolute bonus to them. Speaking of Japan, by the way, I wanted to let people know uh, we will have coverage of Wrestle Kingdom, I think, at 4 Eastern. Me and Alex are doing a show and our Fightful.com awards. Joe, also, I wanted to ask you, (laughs) and you're hosting the show, and I'm sitting here asking these questions, but I was so intrigued by this show. You had had some – they've got a lot of building blocks here. Rin Nakai, Gabby Garcia – now they got Cron uh, Gracie. Uh, he's a prospect now. He's a big prospect now. He beat Kawajiri. When you look at a guy like Cron Gracie, and we had discussed this uh, a lot in Japan with a lot of different people, um, this is the evolution of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. I'm not going to say Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm going to say Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because he does have the last name. It's the evolution of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because it's something that a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fighters, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, you know, guys that train in the system that love mixed martial arts, they wanted that one Gracie uh, to come back into the fold, to come back into mixed martial arts uh, on a global scale and showcase the difference between the old school and the new school. And to say that Crone Gracie is the new school would be an understatement. This is a long lost brother of the Diaz brothers. Okay. This guy trains in Stockton. Uh, he trains with the scrap pack with Gilbert Melendez and Jake Shields. He trained all four of them and that whole team. The difference is with Crone Gracie and perhaps um, his brother and his family that have competed in the past. This is a guy who's very, very aggressive and will continue to do whatever it takes to get this fight into a jiu-jitsu situation. Uh, and if it means standing and trading with a guy like Tatsuya Kawajiri and going body shot for body shot, back and forth, back and forth, conditioning for conditioning uh, until you begin to break and what once you be jump, if it means a submission, then I'm going to do it. This is the evolution of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, and Crone Gracie is the future, in my opinion. You say he's a big prospect. I, I 100% agree. This is a guy that took out a veteran. He took out a guy who just came out of the UFC. Uh, maybe, you know, Kawajiri obviously didn't have uh, the greatest success in the UFC. He's a, he's a bit long in the tooth. He's been around for a long time. But this is exactly what Crone Gracie needs to continue to build his resume, to continue to build his record, and continue to fight guys that have been around. And let's, let's not forget what he did to Takoro in his last fight. It took him nine minutes, but he eventually choked him out. And then you had, you know, Arsene Yamamoto, who, did, who had a fantastic fight um, against... Um, 
not tension. It wasn't tension. But when Urson fought in the September show, he showcased a lot of what of what Kid Yamamoto did when, when he was young. Um, Kizuman Saiga, that's who it is. Uh, and, and next thing you know, he takes on Takoro, and Takoro finishes him off very quickly with an armbar. So it just goes to show you where these guys are at in Japan and how that division is sort of like, holy smokes, you don't know who's going to win on any given day other than Kroll and Gracie. Uh, so it says a lot about that division, and there are a lot of building blocks. In terms of Rin Nakai, I don't know if Rin Nakai is considered a building block, but she is one familiar star. name at the very least. Yeah, she is a Big superstar over there. I think if it's coming when we're talking about women's mixed martial arts, uh, Reina is the, the one that they're really pointing their fingers at and really looking at as someone that could be the future of Japanese MMA. And, and I'm not sure if you know, Sean, on this, but we know women's MMA in North America is mainstream. It's not in Japan. Yes. It is not in Japan. Your thoughts? Well, I know if... Uh... I wonder how, how the public would react if somebody came out wearing what Rin Nakai wore at those weigh-ins. Hot damn. I'm getting a little bit of feedback from you now, by the way, just a little bit. But, yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean, the, the talent level is so much lower at uh, in, in Japan, for, for the women at least. And, and that really, well, it's, it's going to shine through anyway because there are not a lot of 200-plus pound women. But that Gabby Garcia fight, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hoda hit the ropes. She hit the ropes. At no point did she think she was going to win this fight. She hit the ropes. Not only that, she hit the ropes wrong. She went diagonal. Now, now Gabby Garcia is supposedly fighting alpha female. I don't know, man. Like, all these pro wrestlers. What? Now, I get it. I mean, pro wrestlers are probably the only ones crazy enough to take the fight. But but we've seen, Joe, she can be put on her ass. She got dropped by Lady Tapa, who had never fought before. So that makes me wonder what will happen. It's it's almost a Ronda Rousey situation. Like, what would have happened if Kavaliva did fight uh, Gabby Garcia? Six foot five, world champion kickboxer. Maybe she gets it done. Now, we know that the, the alpha female fight is the one that's being targeted. And you had mentioned that on, on last week's show, I think. That there was a name that Ryzen kind of had in mind. Was that the name? Yes. Yeah. Jazzy, the alpha female, is the one. I can tell you this, Sean. She's not I dated a girl named Jazzy once. So uh, I will tell Gabby Garcia if they are anything similar, she's in for a rough time. <laughs> I saw that coming. Um, I can I can tell you this. If I mean, and speaking to Jazzy afterwards, uh, and discussing a whole bunch of things in just terms of you know what what do you plan on doing with a ten time world champion? And she just flat out said, "I'm not going to the ground with her." If anything, I've got to learn anti jujitsu. I've got to learn wrestling. I've got to understand that if I got if I anything. Anything that I need to do to get myself back up to my feet is what I need to work on. And, of course, just different submissions and understanding what she brings to the table and work on escaping. I'm not going to submit Gabby Garcia, but what I can do is knock her out. And that's pretty much the game plan right there. She absolutely can. Like we we saw, like I said, Lady Tapa. No, Lady Tapa. And, you know, it's my job, even before Fightful. It was my job to cover the crossover between wrestling and MMA. No clue Lady Tapa was even training. But apparently she had been an American top team for quite some time. And I'll say this for Lady Tapa. That's a place to go if you want to get a good education in MMA. But 
there's no way that, that Ryzen thought that Lady Tapa was going to be able to do that. So I think anything is possible, but man, Gabby Garcia, <laughs> Gabby Garcia definitely overmatched her opponent uh, Friday, Saturday, whatever day it was, technically both. Well, the more I think about that fight, and I remember heading into that boat thinking to myself, like, I, I don't want to call it. I, I'm, I'm technically nervous for it. And, and the more I realize that perhaps my own nerves and my own um, misunderstanding of what can actually happen in a mixed martial arts fight. I mean, there, there was – how do I word this without coming across, coming across as overly controversial? We're in really that much trouble. That's what referees are for. Referees are there to ensure die in the cage or the ring. That is their job. You know, commissions are there. Tests are taken beforehand to at least make sure that if it's still a mismatch, that you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna bring in some sort of safety precautions. Now, do we want to see um, you know a, a, I guess someone who's a lot older than her opponent get a beatdown? Absolutely not. I would much rather have seen Gabby Garcia take that fight down on the ground and submit her. Uh, you know the gentle art that is jujitsu, as opposed to seeing her you know smash her like that. It's mixed martial arts. Gabby's intention going into that fight was to showcase her striking and win some way other than a submission. So that's obviously by punches uh, or a TKO or a KO in that manner. Um, so I guess I sort of overlooked the fact that as we actually think it is, despite on the surface level, we're like, oh my God, this this monster of a woman is going to take someone that many people are calling elderly uh, and is going to smash her and beat her. Well, that's the, the pageantry that is Japan. And that's why we have the tests ahead of time, the medical tests. And that's why we have a referee to ensure that, that there isn't that much damage. Okay. My only concern though in Japan, Sean, um, you know, when you look at the, the Sakata fight um, and the, you know, Mahasahara, Sakura fight, to be a lot different than what happened. We're supposed to see a beatdown in that fight. Who wins, Gabby Garcia or Dada 5000? That's a very good question. I, I, I'm always going to say the man, unfortunately, only because you know there's a different strength level there because I've seen 135 Sexist. pounds. Nope. No, and the reason why I say that, and this this is coming from not only my own experience in the gym, but seeing high level uh, fighters at 135 pounds as an example. <laughs> Uh, male and female, there just seems to be a difference when it comes to strength. It almost feels like at any one point in time, um, when a man trains with an elite world or a woman from the world, it, they get dominated. Nothing you away think- from Amanda Nunes and Ronda Rousey and, and fighters of that nature, Holly Holm. I've seen it with my own eyes. Now, can a woman smash a man? You're damn right they can. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. But from my own perspective and my own experience and training and seeing it, you know, especially at the world-class level, you know, I'm not saying you know Data 5000 is, is a world-class mixed martial artist in comparison to Gabby. It's just a different ballgame, in my opinion. When do you think we're getting that Ronda Rousey-Floyd Mayweather fight? What is going on with that? What is going on with that, Sean? It's never happening now. And, and I'll say the same thing I always said. If it starts anywhere beyond arm length, arm's length, Floyd Mayweather would kill her. She would beat him if it started in clinch range because 140 pounds is nothing for her to toss over her head. But uh, unfortunately, that ain't the way that anything starts. 
So uh, correct. So um, we'll, we'll transition over to the UFC in, in, in a moment or so. Uh, UFC 207, obviously a fantastic show. Unfortunately, uh, for those that were following me on social media, that when the event started was when we were in the lobby getting ready to jump onto the bus with all the fighters and the production staff to head over to the Saitama Super Arena. By the time we got there, the show was underway. We had to go through prep. So I'm looking at my texts and my and my WhatsApp messages from Sean Ross Sapp and looking at social media, thinking to myself, what is happening here? It's crazy. We'll get to that in two seconds. Uh, I want to close off Ryzen real quick and taking a look at that. Sean, when you look at that that. December 29th, and especially with uh, tension uh, and how amazing this kid is, uh, and then he's able to fight 48 hours later uh, and <laughs> takes on uh, the you know an American who was already there. And you just go up and down both cards. Is there anyone or anyone in general that you take a look at and say, hey, you know what? Japan has something that, that's going to absolutely blow up in 2017. Having a proven Gracie is a big thing. That, that is a big thing. Uh, I, see, here's, here's where I like the stuff from Ryzen. There's plenty of stuff I don't like, of course, but there's lots of stuff I do like. They have the name Gracie. That's important to some people. Hey, having it be important to one person is a lot better than it being important to zero people. They have, I don't want to call Gabby Garcia a freak show, but they have that element that, wow, this is something I'm not going to see anywhere else. They have a link to the old pride days in uh, Mirko Krokop. They have uh, these tournaments that nobody else is doing. They are doing everything counterculture to the UFC. And I think that's really admirable because Bellator kind of does that, but they've got their, their toe dipped in and the rest of their body out. And there's nothing wrong with that. Ryzen just did a cannonball into the pool and said, we're doing things different. A little bummed that Crazy Horse didn't get to fight. Uh, he had visa issues, if I'm, I'm right. But I like that they're doing everything just different. That way you have something completely different. You have somebody something that's like the UFC. And then you have Bellator, which is right in the middle. I think this is a very cool time in MMA. You did mention, Sean, that there's things you don't like about Ryzen. What are they? Mm-hmm. Gabby Garcia fighting senior citizens. Fair enough. Totally understand that. And I think I'm on the same side as you when, it, when that bout was announced, or, or at least when Hotto was the replacement. Uh, I thought to myself, I just, I, I don't like this. But now that Gabby is getting a name out there, there are people that we know. Now, there's not a lot out there that will be more than happy to take on Gabby Garcia and steal that name. Uh, and Jazzy, uh, the alpha female, is one of them. Uh, there are going to be more, to my understanding. But Jazzy right now, uh, I don't even know if Jazzy's going to be fighting Gabby Garcia in April. I'll say that right now. Uh, the, the, it's, it's sort of flip-flopping. I think that's the fight they do want to put on. Uh, I think Jazzy's camp might say, you know what, like, give us one fight. Let us fight at least once before we jump in there with Gabby. Or they're probably going to say, you know what, screw this. We're knocking her out. So, okay, so you, said, you, you did say that, you know, Gabby Garcia taking on, quote-unquote, a senior citizen. Uh, uh, is Sorry, I lost you for a second. What was that? In, in terms of, you mentioned the one thing you don't like, there's a few things you don't like about Ryzen. You said that Gabby Garcia taking on quote-unquote a senior citizen is something you don't like, completely understand. Anything else with Ryzen that you think, you know what, that, I don't like it. Well, they had to do this because of the tournament, but I, was, I looked up and down the card and I was like, damn, if this was one card, it would be just stacked. 
from top to bottom, but they had to split it into two because of the tournament. I, I, I'll tell you the one thing I really hate is their play-by-play announcer. He's, he's so bad. He's Canadian and terrible and bald. And I, I just I was listening to it, and I was like, oh, oh, this guy. What are they going to do with him? Well, you're not the first person to take shots at me regarding my play-by-play, but uh, the one good thing about myself is I'm confident enough to say, you know what? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's going to be haters, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, no matter how I come across to impress everybody. All I just know is that I can look in the mirror every day and say, you know what, Joe, give it your best, do your research, do your homework. This is how you speak. If you happen to say a, or as the Americans say, a boot, when I speak, when I say about or about or whatever it is. I don't need to change for anyone because the minute I start making changes, I'm going to be a nothing. I'm going to be a robot. So, uh, and I think I understand what you're saying, but uh, if I get no love from my my co-host, it is what it is. I'm going to be back there hopefully in April to continue doing what I'm doing. I thought you did great. I thought you were the best person in that booth. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, well, Joe Warren got a fair amount of – yeah. I guess we'll say slack uh, for for the first show. Uh, uh, I'm a firm believer he did much, much better. Uh, um, we did have uh, the production team and I had a conversation with Joe. Uh, and I think he was night and day from the first show. I don't think he was that bad in the first show other than a few statements that he may have made that it obviously irked a fair amount of people. And rightfully so. Uh, I definitely know from from Joe Warren's perspective, the intention was not to insult or or that much drama. I think the comedic aspect was misinterpreted. Uh, I think he was trying to be too funny, and it bit him. And then he realized afterwards, after speaking with us, um, it's because you're good at it. You're fantastic at it. Take my cue. Don't try and take the ball away from me because the whole time, and if I could use a hockey analogy, uh, I guess you can use it in various other sports analogies. My job as a play-by-play guy is to steer the ship and stick handle at the same time and set up the goal. I will always stick handle and boom, get up for you so you can do what you need to do. If you take the ball away from me, it makes things awkward. And at times in the first show, uh, for some reason, Joe was doing that. But in the second show, uh, I think he was kick-ass. Yeah, I saw a massive improvement between show one and show two. So, yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I I don't think that stand-up comedy is an avenue he's going to be going into anytime soon. And if he does, he's not going to do well. Joe Warren is is definitely a funny guy, uh, and he's colorful, man. You, you get him outside of the horizon and just you know hanging out, whatever, having breakfast and stuff like that. 
he's a wild man. He's a funny guy, uh, and I got lots of love for Joe Ward. Heath Herring obviously comes back into the booth during the second show. Um, you know, I, he, I think that fight with Alec Barr should have went to the third round on the 29th, but we're going to move forward right now. We're going to head over to the UFC uh, and an exceptional event put on uh, to close off 2016 by the Ultimate Fighting Championship. You know, when we look at it, we, we could start off with the main event. Um, Amanda Nunes taking on Ronda Rousey. It was, you know, we, you and I had discussed it on the Fightful.com podcast, how I believed Amanda Nunes was going to fight early with her strikes. But the longer it went, uh, you know, I, I think we would have favored probably Ronda Rousey. But my goodness, I think I did real quick, Sean. That was sad. That was a sad state of affairs, what we saw there. Um, gosh, where do I start? I, I talked about it at length on the show Friday, which you all can go back and check out as well. But she looked like a girl. Well, I just want to say this. And I'm getting feedback from you still. Turn down your volume a little bit, Joe. But um, what does it say for what I've been saying, what you've been saying, what really everybody's been saying about Edmund Tverdian? that at the post-fight press conference, Amanda Nunes said, and, and, and this isn't a quote, but this is practically what she said, I was counting on her having absolutely shitty coaching, and that's how it played out. That was her game plan. Her game plan was for Ronda Rousey to have a terrible coach that made her think that she was an outstanding boxer. That's what happened. Did you hear the corner audio from Edmund? Oh, it was bad. It was. I know. It was bad. after. Listen, be, be, I, I want you to continue with your point, but I, I do want to. I, I almost feel apologetic um, yeah. for my own stance when it comes to, to Ronda Rousey training with Edmund, um, who I thought I thought it was all overblown. Okay, I really thought it was all overblown, and people were ripping on Edmund, and there was a track record there with Travis Brown and Jake Ellenberger, and what we saw with Ronda Rousey, and was flat out wrong after watching this fight Sean I couldn't help but think of everybody including yourself who've been saying it for such a long time that Ronda Rousey needs to leave up there and lo and behold what we saw take place in Vegas at UFC 207 for me opener and I was stunned and I know Amanda after the fight went over and said something uh, to Edmund likely ripping him apart and then says it in her post-fight comments or the post-fight press conference. So, um, yeah, continue if you like. I mean, but it's it's you're right. You were right all along. And I, I hate to sound like a broken record here, but, I mean, you look up and down. Jake Ellenberger was once a pretty damn good fighter in that welterweight division. And he was already on the downslide there, but there was that. Travis Brown used to have, um, I would say, top three footwork in the heavyweight division pretty much from the time he stepped into the UFC. His footwork was just outstanding. Now he is a stationary target with that, that just gets hit a lot. I trained with Jessamine Duke. I saw the tools that she had right before she went pro. Right before she went pro, and she looked like a woman that if they had a robust 145 division, could have been a top five fighter. Shayna Baszler used to submit people left and right. She trained with uh, Billy Robinson, one of the greatest catch wrestlers of all time. She was getting people with arm bars and twisters, knee bars, all kinds of stuff. Duke and Basil were rendered to the point of where they couldn't win a fight. They were not coached 
to fight their way. They were coached to fight Edmonds' way. And that is slowly what happened to Ronda Rousey. That is what's happened to uh, Travis Brown. That's what happened to Jessamyn Duke and Shayna Baszler. Uh, eventually, that's what happened to Marina Shafir, even though she was pretty much always an Edmund product. Ah, uh, man. It, it was bad. And the fact when – I don't know how a Ronda Rousey can look at what Amanda Nunes said. And you know she's heard it. And, and hearing her mom say, my opinion on him has not changed. And say, this is the best thing for me. And as Mike Dolce said, it wouldn't shock him if she said, hey, I want to fight in February or July, or if she said, I'll never fight again. I'm the same way. A lot of people are getting trying to get inside the mind of Ronda Rousey and say, oh, she's definitely going to do this. She will be doing this. She'll never fight again. You don't know what Ronda Rousey's going to do. Nobody knows what Ronda Rousey's going to do. She may retire and then decide that she wants to fight a month and a half later, and the UFC will jump at it. They would love it. Ronda Rousey still beats 80% of the top 15, in, in my opinion. Joe, once you finally saw the fight, what did you think? Because it was really sad. Edmund was screaming, head movement, head movement, clinch, clinch, now. What I saw when I finally got a chance to watch the fight, it, it, it in my mind, when I originally forecasted how this bout could take place, it happened. And I wasn't overly surprised. I was more or less stunned with the fact that it happened so quickly. It happened in such an abrupt fashion. Um, and, and it wasn't until I saw the replays of what, how Amanda Nunes was throwing the right hand. It, it, was, it, was, it was the trajectory, and I wrote about it in my article. If you look at the trajectory of the punch, okay? Now, when you throw a cross, your elbow is in, and when you throw it and you snap it, it's usually straight. You throw a hook, there's a hip movement, and the hook is almost linear across in an angle okay so you're bringing it across like this what she was throwing and when you throw an overhand right just think of Chuck Liddell okay it's you, you protect your jaw and the hand comes over off the center line and you're coming across down you're, you're punching down pretty much or if it's a taller fighter you want the impact to be at the top what Amanda was throwing was something beautiful. And if you look at the replay, it was more or less of a throw that if you were to put something ahead, like a jab, it was designed to go over the jab. Okay? Even when Rhonda's hands were down, she was still throwing it to go over a jab. No matter what combination she was throwing, it was designed to go over the jab. So when I looked at that, I thought to myself, my that is a beautiful punch the way that is going. And I know there's box out there, Muay Thai fighters. Oh, we've seen that a thousand times. I'm not saying we've never seen it in mixed martial arts. I'm talking about how it was thrown in this fight here. Ronda Rousey. After, and I, 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 listen, at some point, Ronda's got to take blame for this, okay? We can blame Edmund all we want, okay? But at some point, Ronda Rousey had to look at that Misha Tate fight with Amanda Nunes, okay? And had to basically say, holy smokes, when this girl hits, she hits hard. And she's precise because it didn't take Amanda Nunes very long to bust up Misha Tate when she won that title. And that punch to the nose was a game changer. This girl has power. Under Rousey immediately and very, very quickly was an immediate game changer. So number one to me was do not stand and bang with this girl. Do not stand and trade with her. Don't 
get, you got to put ego out of the way. You stand and trade with Amanda Nunes, you're going to be in big trouble. And lo and behold, she was in big trouble. She got rocked and was never able to recover. And it's like, uh, I think you used the word before uh, in, in, a, in a couple of uh, a couple shows ago. It's that meter that you see in a video game. As soon as you get hit, that meter drops. And then you're in that yellow zone or the orange and yellow zone. And everything thereafter is just a matter of time, Sean, <laughs> before it is over. You know, you can get tagged with a shot and it goes down, but then you eventually go back up and it goes down. And uh, This thing went down right away and it was just a matter of time. So take nothing away from Amanda Nunes. We can take a lot away from Ronda Rousey uh, and Edmund and how Tavertian did, did what he did. Um, the change. And, and I know we're running out of time here. We got to get going here. I want to give love to on it. I, this alpha brain stuff, Sean, it absolutely works. So I want to thank the people over at on it uh, for sponsoring us and to, to giving us love. Uh, make sure you go online to faithful.com, uh, get your discount on our behalf. But I want to ask you, we'll speed through this very quickly. We got about four to five minutes to go, ladies and gentlemen, Sean, we, we if have, Ronda we Rousey have, does we have like 10 to 15. I, I know you're you're a busy guy. I'm a busy guy, but I want to make sure I get you to where you need to be uh, in time. Um, in terms of Ronda Rousey, if she decides to stay in mixed martial arts and compete, if you could get into her head, here's where you need to go. Where would it be? Um, maybe Team Alpha Male. Maybe Team Alpha Male, but there's the Paige Van Zandt issue there. There's King's MMA. That, that's pretty close. She's not leaving California. She is not leaving California. That's not happening. If, if I could say absolutely anywhere, I'd say Farasa Hobby. I'd say Greg Jackson. Uh, because I don't think that if, – if I were Ronda Rousey, I would go work with Holly Holm and I would do it yesterday. That's what I would do. Holly Holm knows the blueprint to beat Ronda Rousey. And uh, – I think those two can help each other. Now, Ronda Rousey's too competitive to do that, but that's what I'd say. But she's she's not going to do that. Well, you mentioned you getting mentioned, her to leave. Getting her to leave Glendale will be hard enough. Getting her to leave California, impossible. I like the team alpha male suggestion, um, I, I, and the whole Paige Van Zandt thing does nothing for me because uh, they compete in different divisions. Okay, um, yeah. why do you think that's a concern? Uh, she hates Paige Van Zandt for whatever reason. You could put that aside, though. You could. You could. But has she ever done that? Traditionally, has Ronda Rousey ever done that? No. You are, you're, you're correct. But she needs, at this point now, you've been embarrassed twice. The you know fear the return and the whole promotion everything was about you leading into this fight everything was about you and Amanda absolutely loved it made it clear I get to focus on my weight cut I can do whatever I want you want to do that you want to build up your queen you want to make her the queen of the mountain blah blah as soon as she steps into the cage we'll see who the queen is and Amanda proved it queen of this division now Ronda's yeah. got to put that ego aside. Whether you like Paige Van Zandt or not, get your ass over to Team Alpha Male. Or, like you said, um, you know, I, I don't think the Holly Holm thing would happen because, like you said, the, the, the real example that I like that you're saying is she needs to leave California, and she won't leave California. Faraz Zahabi would welcome her with open arms. That is a fact that I know for a fact, but she's not traveling to another country across the North America and going over to Montreal. I can't see her doing that. There are options for her, and I like Team Alpha Male because she does get along with Uriah. It's a Paige Van Zandt thing. 
You get those two in the same room and you just you, you hash everything out and you work together. Or you work at different different sides of the gym. That's a big ass gym. I've been there. Uh, you don't have to be in the same area to be training. Team Alpha Mill. Cody. <laughs> Cody Carbrat and Dominic Cruz. Wow. Wow. Nobody saw that I, coming. They're on different places lanes okay it's not eventually he'll he'll get this title shot and when he's ready um he'll probably become a champion one day dominic cruz is the champion and when champions call out challengers i don't like it for the challenger show down joe shut oh, up shut neither of us saw this coming nobody could have seen this coming like you could have seen if, if you said how's garbrandt gonna beat deal or beat cruz i would have said a knockout not only that, he got Cruz tired. He wore him down. He pop-locked and dropped it on Dominic Cruz, and he looked like he could go five more rounds. This is a problem for the Bantamweight division. And speaking of Bantamweight division, Dillashaw made it look easy against John Lineker. Looks like that's going to be the next fight. Only Garbrandt saying he wants Aldo and McGregor. Y'all got to quit that. All this stuff, The the – Bisping Woodley super fight that they agreed on. Nobody wants to. Who the hell cares about Bisping versus Woodley? But uh, Garbrandt versus Dillashaw, that's another interesting one because Dillashaw knows a lot more about Garbrandt than Cruz does. Maybe not after this fight, but uh, this was something, something nice. And what was even more special, Joe, that moment afterwards where they gave. Uh, the child who had cancer, the belt. I thought that was awesome. That was good stuff. Cody Garbrandt, that blew me out of the water. He may have taken my fighter of the year after that performance because uh, doing that against Cruz, that's tough. That's that's near impossible. Yeah, I mean, fighter of the year for me will still go to Conor McGregor because he, does, he did something that no one has ever done uh, in the UFC. Uh, despite losing to Nate, uh, he did become a two-world champ, a two-time world champion, two-division world champion. That, to me, is just absolutely epic and, and, and fantastic. So he gets my vote. But I could see what people are saying. Cody, Max Holloway, uh, even Michael Bisping. Um, I understand people are saying that. But when it comes to Cody, I want to ask you a question about Garbrandt. J.D. Lashaw takes out John Lineker in just absolutely beautiful technical fashion, uh, pulling off this crazy stuff, like just faking combinations to takedowns and just pounding away at him. Like just, wow, Dillashaw is just absolutely fantastic. Interview, uh, and, you know, and was probably thinking, I'm going to fight Dominic Cruz again, finally. Well, then Cody did what he did. And then at the end, I don't remember the exact quote, fight with Dillashaw with, in, in no uncertain terms obviously they know a lot more about each other than we're going to know in, or not for a while but were you surprised Cody responded in that manner while he was talking to Joe Rogan and yes the belt giving it over the way he did he always made that promise and I want to talk about Cody I mean we may not have time but Cody to me is just the way he treated me at Team Alpha Male this this guy is just but you just your thoughts on how he fired off that shot to TJ Dillashaw well I think he needs to take what we call the Roman Reigns approach in WWE. Uh, in long, drawn-out promos, Roman Reigns is terrible. When he says a couple words, it's like that badass. That badass. We saw in the cruise lead-up, 
when Cody Garbrandt is extended, his shit talk game is pretty bad. When it's succinct and to the point, it's pretty good. I'm cool with that. Um, yeah, I think that that's a much better better approach for him. It, it hides his weakness a little more. Who's next for Amanda Nunes? Oh, gosh, I actually have a, an article coming out on this um, later this week, actually. And the women's bantamweight division is in a weird position. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko is ranked number one. She got beat by Nunez less than a year ago, like nine, ten months ago. Juliana Pena, if she wins, is next. Holly Holmes is 145 right now. Rousey just got destroyed. Pennington's up there. Pennington could be right there. Uh, Zingano beat Nunez, but she ain't beating anybody else these days. Sarah McMahon has to stay consistent and stay in the cage. Liz Carmouche may be an option down the line. She's a familiar name. Betts Cohea probably will struggle to stay in the top 10. Well, maybe not since there are 145 pounders now. So I think it's got to be Pena or Pennington. Uh, I'm, they may try to shoehorn a Shevchenko one in there, but I was like, you know, I don't like that. Rematching somebody that got beat less than a year before. I don't know, but I, like I, I wonder. I wonder if Nunez will have the Rousey effect that Holm had, where it's like even even if she does lose, she draws big ratings on TV. Uh, I like the Pena um, suggestion. Was back. Who did she fight? What was what was that? Sorry. If Ronda Rousey ends up coming back and not retiring, Ronda Rousey. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't do it against Zingano McMahon or Betch Kohea or Liz Carmouche, anybody she's fought before, because you know how the perception is. I would say maybe a Leslie Smith, maybe a – if Jessica I wants one more fight, maybe do that. Um, Ashley Evans-Smith, it's got to be a top 15. Marion Renault, although Renault might be problems for Rousey if she punches her in the face. I don't know. I, uh, but I would say, yeah, I would say probably uh, it's got to be a top 15. I'd say Leslie Smith or Jessica I. Probably Leslie Smith because she's won more recently. Johnny Hendricks. Is this the end for Johnny Hendricks? Uh, will you see, do you think he'll continue to compete or is this, that's it, son? Like, I mean, you, you, you can't compete at the elite level. Where do you go from here? Like, what do you, what, what do you think is going to happen with Johnny Hendricks? I think Johnny Hendricks, Mike Pyle, Brandon Thatch will all be fantastic gets for Ryzen, World Series of Fighting, or Bellator soon. Couldn't have said it better myself. And have some value in each of um, I, don't, I don't know. In, in, in terms of what Ryzen is trying to do, they're looking at building new stars uh, unless they can use a former a stepping stone. That's just my theory. Uh, a stepping Johnny stone. Johnny Hendricks in an open weight tournament. Yeah. Wow. That's there. Those those guys are too small. They're too small. I know. I know. Mike Powell fought Quentin Rampage Jackson at one point. But uh, oh, buddy, yeah. buddy. Hey, Johnny Hendricks will get up to heavyweight if you let him. <laughs> that's a good point. He walks around that's a very good heavyweight. Point. It's dude. It's oh, how the mighty have fallen. Right since Usada came around. Didn't want to say it, and that's why I leave Sean Ross Sapp to close things off and make those types of comments because uh, I'm going to have to sort of agree with that. 
Matt Riddle has worn off on me. Matt Riddle, let me tell you a little story about Matt Riddle, Joe. Matt Riddle was sought after by the WWE because he is such a good pro wrestler already. They Googled him, found him with a giant bag of weed and MMA gloves that said THC on it, and they're like, well, let's hold off. Then all of a sudden, we do a show where he bashes WWE, talks about Leota Machida drinking piss and Chinese people taking dumps on the side of the road. The following weekend, there are reports that WWE has renewed interest in Matt Riddle. So there is nothing that some people can say. And I'm hoping I'm that way. I'm not as talented <laughs> as, as Matt Riddle, but I hope that uh, one Jimmy Van appreciates how blunt we can be while still being professional on this show. All right, before we let you go, Sean, uh, what's next for you? What's next for me? Uh, today, actually, I'm filming a show with Shane Helms where we talk about gimmick matches in pro wrestling. At 4 p.m. Eastern today, myself and Alex Pawlowski are doing the Fightful.com Awards show, and I'll be covering Wrestle Kingdom as well. Thursday, we have the Matt Riddle podcast, of course. Friday, the Shane Helms podcast drops. You can follow me at Sean Ross Sapp and follow us at Fightful Online. We have some changes coming to Fightful.com that we're not going to reveal just yet. But uh, got some cool stuff coming. I heard about these rumors. Uh, am I going to benefit from this? I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Before what? we go, I want to get your thoughts on this really quickly. Todd Grisham, former WWE announcer, ESPN MMA Live host, taking over John Anik's old spot. Looks like John Anik's going to take over Mike Goldberg's old spot. What do you think of that move? Congratulations to Todd. Congratulations to John Anik. Not much uh, more I can say. I know people are hounding me uh, on social media saying, hey, are you replacing Goldberg or, or hey, and blah, 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 blah. Look, I'll continue to say it until something changes. I am not his radar. They don't know who I am anymore. This is a new regime. They don't know who I am. So you can keep saying I'm great for the job. I'd be fantastic and blah, blah. I sincerely appreciate that. Feeds my ego. Makes me feel like a million bucks. Anywhere near the UFC, mark my words. And the fact that I'm doing Ryzen right now, there might be a big X when it comes to Showdown. Joe, I don't know. I'm just I'm only speculating right there. Uh, but, Sean, I mean, people were saying it all the whole time. Oh, go to UFC. Go to UFC. I, I'm not on their radar. Boo. Fair enough. Boo. Boo. Well, yeah. <laughs> you can Boo. have a campaign as much as you want. People want to have a campaign to try and get me over there. If I was on their radar, ladies and gentlemen, I would have received a call. I would have received a text. I would have received an email from the UFC. They don't. They wouldn't even credential me in my own backyard, and I help build their product in this country. I'm not on their radar, so don't think I'm ever going to go there, or, or at least I'm not going there anytime soon. So, and I'm perfectly happy doing stuff on UFC Fight Pass because uh, I love Titan. Titan's fantastic. There's changes coming to Titan. I love doing Ryzen as well. Ryzen is just of, of, of just the, the different MMA world. So it's fantastic. But much more, Sean and I will talk about this uh, very, very soon. Sean, one final message. Uh, anything you want to say to the fans before we say goodbye? Fightful.com. Go there. Boom. I want to thank you very much uh, to Sean Rossap. Make sure you follow him online at Sean Rossap. Follow yours truly at Showdown Joe for now.